I walked into the bank last week uh, to do some business, walked up to the uh, window, to the teller, and I said, I cannot tell you how odd it is to walk into a bank with a mask on. And she replied from behind her mask, I've never heard that one before. I've banked with this woman for years. I would actually consider her an acquaintance. I couldn't understand why she was being so grouchy. And of course, I wasn't sure she was being grouchy because I couldn't see the expression on her face. Was she smiling behind the mask and teasing me? Or or was she irritated at my corny joke and just as sick of wearing a mask as I was? I couldn't be sure. If one year ago you had told me that nearly all of our country is going to be wearing a mask when they go into a grocery store, I would have said, you are out of your mind. And yet, when I go into a grocery store these days, it looks like what I've seen in Middle Eastern countries with so many people covered. All you can see is your eyes. It is an odd season, isn't it? And it is, this whole issue of mask wearing is so emotionally charged and politically charged This last summer, Cindy and I went hiking up in the mountains, up in the wilderness, and we did not wear our masks when we were walking on the trail. We had instances when people who were coming the other direction, when we got to them, they literally stopped and turned their backs on us. We felt like lepers. Have any of you experienced something like that? One of the consequences of mask wearing is dehumanization. We start to turn away from each other. We become suspicious of one another. We become fearful of one another. We have a hard time understanding what someone is saying, don't we? And even if we get the words, we're not sure of the meaning because we can't see the expression behind the mask. Recently, I was talking to one woman. She said, by the way, I'm smirking at you from under here. It's tough when they have to tell you what their facial expressions are. We have a hard time knowing what is really going on behind these masks, don't we? Good morning to all of you. I'm Pastor Mark Toon. I'm really grateful to be able to join you this day in worship. Both of you, those of you who are in present here at present and uh, and those of you worshiping with us virtually, this is actually a very special day for me. 33 years ago, exactly on this day, September 13th, I preached my first sermon at Chapel Hill on the other end of the building down in our little chapel. If if you had told me then that I would be here three plus decades later, I'm not sure I would have believed it, but I'm so grateful that I have been. I'm so grateful for this sweetheart church. You have been such a privilege to lead and to grow with. So thank you that you have joined us this day as we kick off my 34th year at Chapel Hill. And we're doing so with a new sermon series that we're calling Behind the Mask, Getting Real. It's based on the book of 2 Corinthians, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Did you know that there's actually a good bit about mask-wearing in the Bible? One of our human tendencies is to put up a facade, is to pretend that we are something that we are not, to present a, a false front so that, uh, that often does not align with what we really are inside. And one of the things I love about 2 Corinthians is that in it, Paul makes it clear that Christianity is not about appearance. It's not about how we look on the outside. It is about facing even hard times with honesty and humility and trusting that God uses even moments like this, 
pandemics, racial unrest, fires, he uses moments even like this of suffering to build his people. Paul, in this moment, would say, I want you, Chapel Hill, I want you to get real. And one of the illustrations he uses that I could, I could not be more timely is to encourage to authenticity is, is, uh, is this idea of a mask. And to understand this passage, we actually need to go back to the book that we were studying this summer, the book of Exodus. Moses is on his way down from Mount Sinai. He's schlepping the Ten Commandments in his arms. And I want you to listen to what happens next. I wonder how many of you this is going to be a, a new story for. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, he did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. So Moses put a veil over his face until he went in to speak with God. This is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will unveil our hearts, that we will unveil ourselves before you, and that you will meet us in a real and transformational way this morning as we sit beneath the authority of your word and under the inspiration of your spirit. Would you do this, please? For we ask it in the name of your Son. Amen. Last week, Pastor Ellis taught us a great sermon on the holiness of God. And I wonder if you remember the illustration that he used to help us understand this idea of holiness. It was the sun. The sun, as we know, is the life-giving center of our universe. It is powerful and consuming and awesome, and we need it. In fact, we'd like a little more of it, wouldn't we, right now? But we can only take so much of it. If we draw too close to the sun, we're consumed by its power. And that is what is meant by this idea of holiness. Or another word that the Bible often used to talk about this quality of God is His glory. God is so good, He's so pure, He's so awesome that sinful human beings cannot get too close to Him. We just cannot bear it. It turns out after Moses was hanging out with God on Mount Sinai for a while, some of God's glory rubbed off on him. It was, like, it was like a holy sunburn that glowed in the dark, but it didn't hurt him. He wasn't even aware of this until he came down from the mountain. But when the people saw him shining, they freaked out. I mean, they couldn't even pay attention to what Moses was saying because they were so disturbed by his shiny face. So in order to calm them down, in order to allow them to hear the message he had from God, Moses put on a mask so that he would not be dis they would not be distracted by his glowing face. It's a pretty timely story. How many have heard that story before? A few of you. A bunch of you haven't, though. But it's pretty timely, isn't it? And it turns out, though, that there is more to the story, more than what we read in the book of Exodus, and we only discover it when we turn to 2 Corinthians. And listen as the Apostle Paul gives us the rest of the story. So listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 and following. Paul writes this, since we have such a hope, he's talking about the, the hope that is ours in the gospel of Jesus, 
Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. I wonder if you realize what Paul is saying there. He is outing Moses. You see, we assume that Moses continued to wear his mask because of his shiny face, and it was distracting to the people. And in fact, that's where he started. That's why he began to wear it. But Paul tells us the rest of the story. After a while, Moses faded. But he kept wearing his mask anyhow. Why? Because after a while, Moses faded His shiny face was his spiritual badge of honor. It was proof that he had been in the presence of Almighty God. It gave him some prestige, some standing in front of the people. But when it started to fade, Moses didn't want his people to notice that he was fading. And so he kept wearing the mask long after the glow had disappeared. Now, what do we call someone who puts on a mask pretending to be more spiritual than they really are. Jesus called the Pharisees who did this a certain kind of Greek word. I bet you'll recognize it even in the Greek. Hupocrates. Hupocrates. What is the English translation of that? Hypocrite. In the time of Jesus, a Hippocrates was an actor. And in the first century, actors actually played a number of different roles in the same play. And they did that by changing the masks. So whatever character they needed to play, they put on a new mask. So you could say that the word hypocrite was another way of saying mask wearer. And Jesus took this word, which means actor, And he applied it to the spiritual world. In fact, did you know that Jesus is the first teacher to talk about hypocrite in the way that we use it today? That was his idea. And he condemned hypocrisy. He condemned those who pretend to be something on the outside when they are actually something very different on the inside. Last week, someone told me, when I walk in the door of the church, I put on my mask. And when I walk out the door of the church, I take my mask off. And of course, she was talking about how we keep each other safe. But it is an ironic illustration, isn't it? Because even when we are not in a pandemic, how many of us put on a spiritual mask when we walk into the church? A mask that will allow us to appear more acceptable to everyone. A mask that will disguise the pain of our marriage or of our relationship with our children. The mask that will cover up our struggle with alcohol or sexual addiction or eating. On goes the mask when we walk through those, into those doors. And off it comes when we walk back out into the world. Why is that? Why is it that believers in Jesus feel the need to mask up in front of those other people that we say are our brothers and sisters in Christ, our family. Why do we do that? Perhaps it is shame. It is a hard thing to admit the truth about our broken lives, especially in a place like Gig Harbor where we pretend to have it all together because that's what we do in Gig Harbor. We have it all together. 
Or perhaps it's because we're afraid of revealing who we really are, what we are really struggling with, what we are really ashamed of. We are afraid that we will be rejected or humiliated or ostracized. I wish I could say that this isn't so, but it happens way too often. The church of Jesus, which ought to be the place of greatest grace and forgiveness, is too often a place of judgment and condemnation. It has been said that the Christian army is the only one that shoots its wounded. I'm so grateful for the ministries of Celebrate Recovery where people are encouraged to rip off the mask so that real healing can begin. So I would ask you this morning, is this the mask that you wear? The mask of hypocrisy, of pretending? Hypocrisy is the mask that pretends to have it all together. But there's a second mask that some of us wear. Hubris. Pride. With the mask of hypocrisy, the mask of hubris. Those who wear the mask of hubris, they really think they do have it all together. And they look down on those who don't. And we find that in the next part of the reading in 2 Corinthians 3. Listen to what Paul writes about his fellow Jews. He says, their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. So what does Paul mean here? He is talking about the Jewish people who have rejected Jesus. The entire Old Testament pointed to the fact that God was going to send a Savior. Stories that we studied this summer in Exodus, stories like the Passover, those hinted that one day God was going to send a Savior who was going to save us from the bondage of our sins and deliver us to a place of promise. And if you read through the Old Testament, you discovered that that promise was in plain view again and again in the books of history, in the books of the prophets, in the, in the books of wisdom, again and again, a promise that God would send the Savior. But when Jesus' own people read those prophecies, we discovered that a veil covered their hearts. It was a veil of pride, of hubris, the belief that they and they alone were the chosen people. That they and they alone had a special relationship with God. That they and they alone could maintain that relationship by obeying all of the rules. And that they didn't need a Savior like Jesus. This is the second mask that some of us wear. It is the mask of hubris, of spiritual pride. And such a person forgets that they too were saved by the grace of God. And they become more and more judgy towards others, especially those who are not following all of the spiritual rules that they think you need to be following. My friends, there's nothing much more unattractive in a church than an attitude of spiritual superiority. And there's nothing that's much more unchristian. I pray to God that there has never been a sense in which I have worn that mask before you in these last 33 years. I pray that I've never portrayed myself in any other way to you than that I am a fellow sinner who has been like you, saved by the grace of Jesus. So we have these two masks, the mask of hypocrisy, which hides the person who knows they aren't living the way that they should, but wants to pretend that they are and impress others. 
And then there's the mask of hubris, which hides the arrogant soul who's forgotten the fact that they are only saved by the grace of Jesus. Either mask is dishonest and destructive. And so I would ask you, are you wearing one of those masks this day? A mask of hypocrisy? A mask of hubris? And if you are, if we are, what are we to do about it? Well, Paul continues with some words of hope. Listen to this. We sang these words earlier. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The good news of the gospel is that when we turn to the Lord Jesus, He is the one who removes our mask. It is the work of the Spirit to tear off these veils of pretense that we feel we must wear. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. To every one of us hypocrites, the Holy Spirit says, here, let me take off that mask. You don't have to pretend with me. I know who you really are. I love you anyway. You have nothing to hide, and you couldn't hide it if you wanted to. You are free. And to those of us who are prideful, the Spirit says, here, let me take off your mask. You aren't nearly as good as you think you are. But I love you anyway. I love you not because you keep the rules. I love you because you're my child. You are free. It is the Spirit who removes our masks of hypocrisy or hubris, stripping us right down to what is raw and real in our lives. And the great news is, He doesn't leave us what he, the way He finds us. Here's this last, this wonderful promise that I want you to hear that continues in 2 Corinthians. When, what happens when, when our masks are removed by the Spirit? I love this. He says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I want you to hear that the Spirit allows us to look upon the glory of God, that glory that used to be unbearable to us. Now we have seen Him. In Jesus, when we look in the face of Christ, God's glory has been fully revealed to us. And when we look on Him, He says, when we really see who He is and what He has done and what He empowers us to do and to be, we are told that we are transformed into this very image, the image of Jesus in other words, we become more like Christ from one degree of glory to another. I love that verse. I love that idea. I cannot become like Jesus all of a sudden. It's a, it's a, a leap too far. But if I keep my eyes on Him, if I continue to follow Him, if I love Him, if I pray to Him, if I obey Him, then day by day, bit by bit, glory to glory, I become more and more like Jesus. And so do you. Imagine that. Cindy and I ride bikes for our exercise, and we ride the Cushman Trail. But in order to meet our fellow riders, we actually have to ride up all of the steep Gig Harbor hills just to get to the rendezvous point. By the time we get up there, we're exhausted, and they're just ready to start. In the early days of the season, I couldn't even make it past the stop sign at Soundview without pausing and resting a bit. But the other day, as we were 
writing, I realized how much stronger we've become. We cycled all the way up to the top without much effort. Bit by bit, day by day, we've become stronger. I didn't recognize it at the time, but when I looked back and saw where I was, where I had come from, I saw what had happened. This Tuesday will be our daughter Rachel's 28th birthday. Were any of you here when Rachel was born? We had four people. Oh, there's a few. There's about four of us here. She, it, it is almost impossible for us to believe our little girl, who looked like this. That was her first Christmas, and she was not happy. She was not happy. It's hard to believe that has now become this. And she's getting ready to head off to her university, where she's the dean of spiritual formation, a grown woman on mission from God. Of course, we didn't see her growing up on a daily basis. It just happened. It's only in these moments when we pause and we look back that we see that where she was and where she is now, that we notice this transformation day by day, bit by bit, glory to glory. Next month, our granddaughter will be born. We don't know her name yet. All we know is it starts with C. That's the only hint that they have given us. So, so right now, baby C is a bump that is just growing in Deb's tummy. She's kind of a blurry sonogram. That's the best that we can see of her. But bit by bit, day by day, glory to glory, she is growing and changing and becoming more and more the person that God has created her to be. And one day, soon, next month, I'm going to hold my granddaughter in my arms and I'm going to look at her face to face. And that's how our Heavenly Father wants to look at us. No masks, no pretense, absolute authenticity. So I would ask you, are you willing to allow the Spirit to rip off whatever mask you are wearing so that you can stare into your Father's adoring gaze? Here's a starting point for us. Let's pray. Let's pray together. This Tuesday night, I want to see all of you there. I've memorized your faces, and I'm going to be looking for you. You guys too. All of us, we're going to be there. Tuesday night, let's come together and pray for our next Kingdom Come event. Let's pray as a community, as a people of God, that the Lord will do His work of revelation in us and transformation in us, in our lives and in our church and in our community and in this broken world that we are living in. In this season of masking and division and pretense and suspicion and fear, let's come together and let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us become more and more and more and more like Jesus, bit by bit, day by day, glory to glory. Holy Spirit, that's what we ask you to do. We ask that you would take these words, which are just my words, but they're based upon your precious word. We ask them that, ask that you would take those words and do a work in us. For there are some of us, many of us this day, who would have to admit that they are wearing a mask that they are hiding behind something. For those of us, Lord, who are really hypocrites, who have to admit that when we walk in here, we're putting on a face so so that we would look rightly, we would look acceptable. Would you free us up from that, Lord? 
It is a scary thing to take that mask off, but would you take that mask off of us and allow us to be honest with each other and honest before you so that we can receive your healing and we can minister to one another because none of us have it together. And, and Lord, for those of us who tend to be, well, a spiritually arrogant, who tend to have some pride God, forgive us for that. Would you rip that mask off? Would you remind us how desperately we needed you and how desperately we still need you? And then we're not going to grow in our relationship with you because we obey rules. We're only going to grow in our relationship with you as your spirit is at work in our lives, making us more and more like Jesus. The hard thing is, Lord, sometimes we don't even recognize this about ourselves. We don't even know that we've become hypocrites. We don't even know that we've become Pharisees. And we just kind of keep on living. Would you disrupt us? Would you, would you interrupt this journey of dishonesty and help us to see us ourselves for who you see us to be? Repent of that which needs repenting and then receive your grace, your spirit, and be changed one degree of glory to another into the person of Jesus. That's what we ask for. We claim it because you've promised it. We do so in the name of our precious Savior. Amen.